Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to The Vespers Project. This is Ben Pruitt, your host for the podcast, and this is our sixth episode. If this is your first time joining us, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time and your patronage. Today, we are lucky enough to hear from Will Rose. He's a comic aficionado, a surfer, and he's also a pastor. Will has been a friend of mine and a source of wisdom for several years now, and I feel really lucky to be able to share today's episode with you, especially today. Just in case you're not listening on the day of release, you should know that this episode is airing on Easter Sunday during the COVID-19 pandemic. You might have noticed that a lot of episodes have been posted recently, and that is partially because of the pandemic. Unemployment has given me a chance to I really appreciate the gift of time, and I have been able to dedicate the time that I've been given to this project, uh, which it needs to thrive. And there's a lot of effort that goes into this project, and it really couldn't happen without your support. So if you have the capacity, support us on Patreon at the Ark of E. The Ark of E kindly hosts this podcast and makes all of this possible. Another thing you can do to support the podcast is go on iTunes, give us a five-star review if you haven't done so already. We really appreciate that. But really, probably the most uh, beneficial thing you can do is uh, word of mouth. Just tell uh, other people about this podcast if you think that it would be beneficial to them, and that really makes a big difference as well. So back to Easter. So Easter, uh, through the mainstream media, has really been relegated to not much more than thoughts of the Easter Bunny and chocolate. It isn't given the attention that many other Christian holidays receive, not to mention holidays from other religions. So Easter has, in a way, begun to lose its meaning in through the media. And this episode was recorded a few months ago, but I think considering our faith, or lack thereof, might be a really poignant way to give some intention to our Easter Sunday. But enough of me rambling. Let's hear Pastor Will Rose reflect on faith and doubt. Thank you for listening.
I love campfires. I was never a Cub Scout or a Boy Scout, and I grew up at the beach, so I didn't have a lot of experience camping out as a kid, but when I was a camp counselor at a Lutheran camp in the North Carolina mountains, one of my favorite parts of the camp experience was building and leading campfires in the evening. For those familiar with summer camps, campfire time is a time to gather around the fire to sing songs, share stories, and play out funny skits and eat s'mores. It is truly a time to build community and character through laughter and friendship and sacred moments. There is also something primordial and foundational about campfires that go back to the early human experience hundreds and thousands of years ago. Early humans would gather around campfires for cooking food, for warmth, and with their tribe they would ask big questions, sharing stories and stargazing. One could imagine looking up at the stars and asking, am I a part of some grand cosmic story? Is there a creator behind all of this? And if so, what is my purpose and calling within this grand story? It was being a camp counselor that helped me find my calling to be a congregational pastor. I've served Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Chapel Hill for the last eight years, and, and I love our context, being next door to University of North Carolina, where students and professors are asking and wrestling with the big questions of life and the cosmos we dwell in. One of our big goals as a community of faith is over the last few years, we have tried to create a healthy conversation between faith and science, knowing that the common ground between the two are the big questions that we all ask in life while acknowledging that there is a mystery within all of it. Last year, we hosted a cosmic campfire event where we invited those who are part of some sort of religious practice and others who aren't to gather around a symbolic campfire, although we did have s'mores one night, to explore and ask the questions humans still wrestle with. What is my place in the universe? What tribe do I belong to? Is there a creator that wants to be in a relationship with me? Is there a larger story guiding the cosmos? What is faith and what is doubt and how do they relate to one another? As the retreat and event evolved, we discovered that we are still asking the same questions humans have wrestled with since the very beginning. define some terms. If someone asked me, 
If I believe in God or not, I would first ask what they meant by the word God, because of course, that word has a lot of baggage and assumptions tied to it. If by God, they mean an old man sitting in the clouds ready to throw lightning at me if I make a mistake, then no, I don't believe in that God. But if by God you mean the creator, source, and ground of all being, whose very nature is love, mercy, justice, and grace, then yeah, that is where I place my faith and my belief. Likewise, I think it's important to distinguish what we mean by the words faith and doubt. Those words also carry a lot of baggage and assumptions. And so before we make assumptions, it's important to think through and articulate what we mean by the word faith and what we mean by the word doubt. So when you hear the word faith, what comes to mind? When you hear the word doubt, what comes to mind? When I think of the word faith, I think of a living trust in something that is larger than one's own self. It is based on a relationship rather than an intellectual achievement or some kind of mental gymnastics. The brain is certainly involved, and knowledge and reason is important, but faith is centered in more of a surrender and a trust, turning one's heart over to a greater reality than just me. In the Christian scriptures, in the book of Hebrews, the author defines faith as the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Therefore, faith is having trust and confidence even if one does not have complete and perfect proof. Um, so, when I think of the word doubt, I don't necessarily see it as a denial of faith, but rather an acknowledgement that one doesn't have it all figured out. It can be a means of humility that acknowledges uncertainty and leaves room that one may be wrong and one may be open to correction and change. And so faith in a certain sense is a confidence in a reality that goes beyond oneself. And then on the other side of the coin, doubt is a necessary tool that doesn't allow our confidence to get so bold that we are shut off from other points of view or that doesn't allow us to grow and change.
beautiful letdown, painfully uncool. The church of the dropouts, the losers, the sinners, the failures, and the fools. Oh, what a beautiful letdown. Are we solving the from Martin Luther in his commentary to Paul's letter to Romans in the Christian New Testament. Faith is God's work in us that changes us and gives new birth. It transforms our hearts, our spirits, our thoughts, and all our powers. Faith is a living, bold trust in God's grace, so certain of God's favor that it would risk death a thousand times trusting in it. Rob Bell, in his book, What We Talk About When We Talk About God, a book that I highly recommend, by the way, talks about faith and doubt in this way. Take faith, for example. For many people in our world, the opposite of faith is doubt. The goal then, within this understanding, is to eliminate doubt. But faith and doubt aren't opposites. Doubt is often a sign that your faith has a pulse, that it's alive and well and exploring and searching. Faith and doubt aren't opposites. They are, it turns out, excellent dance partners. The morning comes like an enemy soldier Feel weight across my shoulders I feel the shadows getting colder That ain't you This noose ain't getting any looser I get so fearful about the future Hear the shame of my accuser, but that ain't you. And I found strength 
with on a daily basis and it's a lifelong process and so faith isn't about doing the intellectual gymnastics of having a grasp on all things including the mystery of life in God but rather it is an evolving living trust that something larger than myself has a secure grasp on me
seen us tonight Stuck on a planet, even time forgotten You're a version of yourself, but you're not the same You tried to keep the wound camouflaged in The stitches heal, but the years are lost in Another bottle on the shelf can't numb the pain Why are you running from yourself now? You can't run away Cause your scars shine like dark stars Yeah, your wounds are where the light shines through So let's go there to that place where We're seeing these broken friends where the light shines through The wound is where the
Welcome back to the Vespers Project, everybody. We are so excited to have Will Rose, Pastor Will Rose, if you will, join mm -hmm. us for today's episode. And you just had the pleasure of hearing a really awesome Vespers on faith and doubt. And so here's Will. Here's the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, will, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Thank you for letting me be a part of this uh, cool podcast that you're a part of and creating more really like neat. begging you to be a part of it yeah, you didn't have to <laughs> twist my arm too hard it was good it was good um yeah i was really interested in having a uh a faith episode and from a different perspective than from teens because we have some vespers from our teens that have been on faith but i mm -hmm. think having an adult perspective as well as a pastor's perspective on right. faith is really neat. And so I'm excited to kind of dive into the content of your Vespers. There's yeah. a lot there. But before we do that, I'm really interested in a little bit more about like what makes you human. So these people who are listening to this have no idea who you are, maybe one or two of them, maybe more than that. I don't know. But let's <laughs> assume most of them don't, right? And right. so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like when you were talking and trying to get people to like you, what do you say? <laughs> right. How do I get them to like me? Oh, no. Um, well, I, I grew up in North Carolina. I grew up on the coast of, of Wrightsville Beach. Uh, I'm a beach bum, lifelong beach bum. Grew up surfing and playing the beach my whole life. Um, also grew up in the Lutheran Church as well. Uh, my On my mom's side, they were lifelong Lutherans going all the way back to Germany. And so I grew up in the church. So I grew up uh, along the coast, normal kid, like to surf, like to read comic books, but also went to church every Sunday with my family because that was a big part of our tradition. And, you know, I feel like I had a, a good, normal childhood. Um, I guess when I got to be a teenager and closer to college, I was asking the questions, what do I want to be when I grow up? And run through the things like, you know, doctor, um, pro surfer, comic book artist or writer, or what could I be? And so decided that I would stay in Wilmington to go to UNCW for marine biology because I thought, hey, if I went to marine biology, I may be able to play with dolphins and surf the rest of my life. Well, after taking a biology class and getting an average score in biology, a C minus or plus, I had to kind of rethink, what do I want to be when I grow up? And, and it was at that time when I was a camp counselor at a camp that I was a camper at when I was a kid, uh, Lutheridge, up in the North Carolina mountains. And I mentioned that in, in my Vespers, that um, that was a really special time for me, a special camp as a kid that I went to. And then um, as I was a counselor in college, it really kind of helped me grow up and, and I, kind of my avenue of maturity, leadership, of relating to all ages. And as amidst of that time, I thought, um, hey, maybe maybe I could be a pastor. I did have this small uh, phobia of public speaking growing up. I was one of those kids that didn't want to raise his hand in class and, because I didn't want to have to talk in front of everybody. So that was a real stumbling block for me in terms of uh, wait, you mean being a pastor, I have to get up and present a paper or a talk in front of people every week? Uh, but it was being a camp counselor and leading campfires and leading vespers and leading worship that helped me cut my teeth and grow as a kind of a public speaker and thought, hey, I can do this. I'm not going to have a heart attack or die every time I get in front of people and speak. So I thought, hey, maybe maybe I could be a pastor one day. And then being at camp and seeing a lot of ministers come through 
with all different kinds of styles and the way they do life, pastors in all shapes and sizes, introverts and extroverts. And I said, you know, I can be my own person, have my own sense of humor on the way I, I do life and still be a pastor. So that kind of led me down the road to be to go to seminary and, and be a pastor. I was a youth minister there for a while. And I've served a couple of churches, and now I'm here in, in Chapel Hill and still have a heart for youth ministry and camp ministry, campus ministry. And as I shared in, in my Vespers, um, that whole dialogue between faith and doubt, faith and science, how culture, pop culture intersects with how we live our faith and how we navigate life is, is really important to me and how... And shepherding people through that is a, yeah. is a lot of, I get a lot of energy and a lot of joy in my vocation talking with people about that. Wow. There's a lot to kind of unpack yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting little tidbits that I was like, Ooh, and then, Ooh, and then I kept on getting distracted <laughs> by the next thing you said. Um, so I kind of want to go back to something that I think our listeners will really vibe with. A lot of our listeners are with the why, mm -hmm. because this whole experiment with this podcast is kind of founded from what is called Leaders Club. And I know that you're familiar with Leaders Club because yep. that's kind of how I met you is through that program. Mm -hmm. When I was the director for the Chapel of Carborough Y, I was really interested in creating more dialogue around faith. Right. And I was you were brought to my attention by one of our leaders. Uh, for those of you who know Jason Wyckoff, he was on our leader also has joined me on episode one and he has his own Vespers in last season. Right. Um, but Jason kind of brought you to my attention and he was like, Hey, I think Will would be a really good uh, resource for this meeting that you're trying to have. And what that led to was essentially a faith panel where all of our leaders just got to ask religious leaders mm -hmm. uh, of different faith backgrounds questions and any question that came up for the hour that we had. Um, and that was a really impressive meeting. And I say impressive because that allowed all of our teens to ask questions that what to me feels like a kind of a taboo subject in Chapel Hill, <laughs> uh, talking about religion with people feels sort of taboo. Uh, do, do you get that at all? Like, yeah, it's kind of like when you're talking about religion or politics, we all kind of have a feeling of what we think we believe but if we also don't want to offend others in this kind of age of inclusivity which is fine and great and very virtuous um, we also don't want to step on anybody's toes we don't want to offend anybody so we kind of keep that to ourselves or or scared that we're gonna yeah just uh, like i said step on somebody's toe and the neat thing about that panel was it gave people your, your leaders that gave you permission to ask questions and to be able to articulate a little bit what they believe. Cause you can kind of find out yeah. what's behind the question with what they're already, what they think already. And the cool thing about that panel that we did a few years back is we had a Buddhist, we had um, a rabbi, myself, mm -hmm. and a more evangelical um, pastor as a part of that, yep. um, that panel. And so we were able to cover there was a lot of similarities in terms of how we navigate life, but also some differences. And we were able to kind of model for the youth that asking questions and also having differences doesn't mean that some religious war is going to break out yeah. or that we're going to offend it and stop being friends at the end of this, that we're able to give hugs and say, yeah, you may see faith or life or God a little differently than me, but there's a lot of similarities as well. And we can give each other a hug and partner up where we agree and have some serious dialogue and the 
places where we disagree. And I think it's really interesting because when I think about why people are scared to talk, it's because mm-hmm. to me there is a underlying fear that they're going to be judged for what they say. Right. And because there's just so much judgment around faith and religion and it feels like to me that stems from like I am most fearful of judgment around people who act the most certain. Hmm. And so you doing a vespers not just on faith but on faith and doubt. Right. Really kind of makes me think about that even more because it feels like that certainty is what drives that judgment is what drives that kind of toxic behavior around not being able to talk about it. And like, what are your thoughts on that? Is that ring true for you? Is that? Absolutely. I think you, you hit it on, on the head there when you talked about kind of the toxic nature of the way that religion and politics is presented in the media and clickbait and message boards. So yeah, we're not going to go near that hot stove because we don't want to get burned, right? Yeah. And so if we we put something out there in public with our friends um, about what we believe or something that's going on with with religion and faith, we're scared we're going to be pounced upon or judged or they're all going to come out of the woodwork. And a lot of the message boards and media portray that because they want they want hits they want to create some controversies because more people want to watch a car track car wreck than they do you know a, a peaceful um dialogue yeah. between parties they want they want to see a, a circus go out of control than than a nice polite discussion um so I, I think that's that's part of it and i think um you talked about what makes me human and i i think the acknowledgement that we all wrestle with doubt, that we all have questions, and giving people permission to to be open about their doubts and questions is a big part of how we navigate. It's too too much, I think too many times religious leaders or the church or our traditions kind of put up this front yeah. that we have things all under control and we're perfect. And if we are seen as as not having things perfect and under control, then we're seen as weak and yep. irrelevant. Um, but really the, the opposite, the climate we try to create at our church and what you uh, in leadership club and, and other youth ministries and things we've been a part of is to say, be permission giving that, that everyone has doubt. I've had doubts. Um, everyone asks questions. And, and some of the things I've quoted or in my Vespers was that, you know, how we learn and grow is by asking questions, but yeah. how we learn and grow is by uh, going through the storm of doubt um, because that's a sign that we're mortal, that um, you can't have everything certain. We were talking just a few moments ago, like even you giving me your address to come over and record this, I had to place my faith in you that you gave me the correct address, that my GPS is going to work. On the way, I'm like, my phone is really glitchy right now and the GPS doesn't work. So I was like, is it telling me the right address and where to go, where yeah. to turn? Even when I pull up to the house, like, what if this isn't a knock on the door and someone's like, who, who's here? Why are you at my house? I'll be like, ah, oh, looking for Ben. But I think you grow through that and, and you grow through your doubt. You, you grow through your, the trust and the relational aspect of, of faith. Um, it's almost like when we, what that led me to is taking things for granted almost. So right. we start to trust GPS and then it works, it works, it works, it works. And then it doesn't work. And then we learned that we started to take for granted that this device is going to take us in the right place every single time because we've learned to trust it. But then we get burned because we trusted it too much a little bit, right? But we've been trusting it for good reason. 
like it has worked nine times out of you know ten, and so that one time doesn't necessarily mean that the the system is out of place. It means that sometimes things make mistakes, sometimes things err, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's very true with trust and humanity and people, but also when it comes to faith in a way, right? Right? When it comes to faith, it feels like. I can believe something and then I can come across something that is just so devastating or drastic that it makes me call that into question. I have to think about it. I have to really build my relationship with my faith in a way that helps me understand this new thing that might have just happened, whether it was the the death of a loved one or whether it might be a catastrophic world event or... Who knows what that is for you and what it is for me. And I guarantee they're different things. But I think what I'm learning from this conversation right now is that I, I want to, what are the things that I'm taking for granted? And that right. is something that's coming to mind for me. And and that's why when we talked, we brainstorming about doing this um, Vespers project on faith, why we decided to bring doubt into it too. That it's not just about this certain sense of trust and certainty and then uh, growing that, but but doubt is a big is a big part of that because that's as as I quoted Rob Bell, that they're dance partners. They help each other. It's a tool and a means to to help you grow and become deeper um, as a person. I think also having a professional pastor, um, church worker as a part of this to talk about faith. I wanted to be clear that um, you don't have to have everything certain and in the right place to talk to a pastor or go to church that we we all wrestle with doubt that it's a part of it let's let's ask and wrestle with these big questions together some things we're like i think i have a handle on that there are other questions like i thought i had a handle on that and i don't know if i do anymore and there's some that i have no idea i'm still working through that and i think there's a stereotype that oh here's this pastor with a clerical collar on or up front on church on Sunday. And if I go have lunch with him after, I got to make sure I'm sitting up straight and saying the right things and not saying a cuss word and not mentioning about As my if dad. you're not human. As if I'm not human. It's like, yeah, did you see me in traffic last week? Man, yeah. or you just see, I, I had a really hard week last week. Uh, um, a member of our church passed away and I was questioning a lot of things and thinking through the grief and, and doubting my gifts or, you know, who is God? What does this mean in the world? And, and so I wrestle with that too. So you don't, when you go to church or go to a faith community or go to some kind of clergy person, they are human, we are human together, and we can all wrestle with doubt, faith and doubt together. You don't have to be afraid of questions or afraid of doubt. So I really love this concept of faith and doubt being dance partners. Um, when you originally brought this concept up to me, uh, I immediately thought of this quote, and so I want to read you something. It's from uh, Ruth J. Gendler's The Book of Qualities. Um, And what she does in this book is she takes a bunch of um, qualities and personifies them. And so this is her personifying faith and doubt. Okay. Doubt camped out in the living room last week. I told him that we had too many house guests. Doubt doesn't listen. He keeps saying the same thing again and again until I completely forget what I'm trying to tell him. Doubt is demanding and not very generous, but I appreciate his honesty. Faith lives in the same apartment building as Doubt. When Faith was out of town visiting her uncle in the hospital, Doubt fed the cat and watered the asparagus fern. Faith is comfortable with Doubt because she grew up with him. Their mothers are cousins. 
Faith is not dogmatic about her beliefs like some of her relatives. Her friends fear that Faith is a bit stupid. They whisper that she is naive and that she depends on doubt to protect her from the meanness of life. In fact, it is the other way around. It is Faith who protects doubt from cynicism. Nice. Isn't that cool? That is really, really good. I love this book. It's a really <laughs> thin book, y'all. It's like a hundred pages and it's just really, really good. I really recommend it. Yeah, and what strikes me that is that, you know, life life can be hard. Life can be rough. Yeah. It's not like there there are more rough and days that we struggle than there are perfect days where we have it all together. And so this idea of faith and doubt being living in the same apartment building or even in the same house and doing errands for one another as we move through the labyrinth of, of life is, is really neat to think about that they go yeah. hand in hand and you don't have to deny one or get the other one to, to move out that they can, there's that tension. I guess when I was younger, I used to see things more as either, or it has to be black this, and white, or that yeah. black and white. Um, as I get older, as I navigate life more, as I, um, get to know more and more people through congregations and my, my church and, and other areas of life that I, that I'm a part of. Um, really there's, there's more of a both and aspect to life yeah. of, of how can they, how yes, can the tension and. between the two, we, our congregation did, um, as I mentioned, this cosmic campfire event yeah, yeah. of faith and science. And, and one of my favorite, um, kind of podcasters who navigates the, um, the faith and science discussion is, is, Science Mike from the Liturgist. Ask Science Mike. He has his own answers, questions. Phenomenal podcast, y'all. The Liturgist yeah, is yeah, excellent. Yeah, and he's so pastoral on how he is so compassionate for people who are wrestling with, with life and, and don't feel it, or don't feel like they belong in organized religion and those kinds of things. And and we met with him over lunch uh, way back when we started our, our Faith in Science project. And 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 I was real proud of our of our our. Of our project's name and it was um eliminating the tension between faith and science in a university setting and i was really proud of that and he turned it he stopped eating and looked at me and he goes why are you eliminating the tension yeah. i was like because i don't like conflict because i don't like tension i'd rather yeah. feel good than like <laughs> be involved in comedy he's like no 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 no. think about it in terms of music think of it in terms of a string instrument whether it's a guitar or yeah. violin if you don't have tension on that string you can't have beautiful music. You can't make music without tension on this, on the string. True. And so what we tried to do with faith and science and the same thing goes with faith and doubt is that put a right, put the right tension on that line so that you can create beautiful music for us to dance through life with and, and to, um, now I will say an out of tune guitar or especially out of tune violin is one of the worst sounds you've ever heard, That's right? That's so true. And yeah. so much of the message boards and uh, stereotypical media clickbait of the conflict between faith and science or faith and doubt or religious groups is, is an out-of-tune violin. That's and, a really and, good analogy because yeah, it's still a violin, right? And nobody wants to listen to that. So the fear is that I'm going to sound like an out-of-tune violin when I talk about these things. But I think... But man, some of the oh music. god, I want to carry that music, that metaphor a little yeah, bit yeah. further. Yeah, and, right? and the music that we listened to earlier with Beck and and kind of that string music. His dad, I think, has a doctorate in in string com composing, and so he uses some of that in some of his yeah. music. And so this this beautiful music of this tension between 
faith and doubt can create beautiful music. And, and there are times when people need to hold us accountable. There's times when people, when we're out of tune, or we, we're like, hey, can I help you out with that? It, it, I'm, I'm not hearing what, yeah. <laughs> what I, it, this sounds a little different, or it's a little hard in my ears. Can you explain this? Or how they, can we help each other out? We don't do this faith and doubt thing alone. We do it in community um, to help us stay in tune and dance with one another. I love that. So I... I <laughs> The music metaphor really works for me because mm-hmm. I was a music major in school, for those yeah. of you who don't know that. And so <laughs> I, I, I'm following this in my head and my mind's jumping everywhere when it comes to resonance because the body, the, our bodies are literally resonating at certain frequencies. Mm. And when people connect, there's a nerve that connects our brain to our heart called the vagus nerve. I think I've talked about this on this podcast before, so forgive me for being redundant if I have. <laughs> but what happens is when you start to... Uh, talk to people and you start to connect those frequencies start to vibrate at the same frequency rather than as different ones they start to line up with each other and which and that's why the like we were so tuned into one another like that's a literal thing right and so that's so cool because when you think about this when we're out of tune when we're out of sync like we might be we are the same instrument we're both human right but we're out of tune. We're not in tune together. So even though we might be talking at one another, we're not talking with. And so we're mm. not making music. We're making noise, right? right? And so I just wanted to carry that a little bit yeah, further. Yeah, and the same thing, if you're like, you're learning to play. I, mean, I don't play a music instrument. I um, I wish I did when I was a camp counselor. I wish I sat down at, at some of my friend's feet and learned to play a guitar, but I just didn't do that. But, um, you know, you can't just pick up a guitar and a violin and just start playing beautiful music. It takes practice. Unless it takes you're... coaches. It takes yeah. mentors. It takes, yeah, um, some may be better at it than others, but but it takes time and practice. So when we talk, and so when we had this panel uh, about faith and with this interfaith group of leaders, we're giving youth and leaders and ourselves permission to practice what it how we have this conversation together. How do we get in tune? An, an orchestra doesn't just sit down after never meeting and sit down and play beautiful music. They got to have practice. They got to tune their instruments. They got to make eye contact and figure out who's on the same page or not. And I think um, the more we can take time to practice having these conversations and giving people permission to have these conversations, we'll create a better, healthier, more beautiful tune that yeah. people can dance to. Here, here. Wow. Okay. Speaking of tunes, let's. Uh, let's jump into your music for a second. Okay. So uh, you have two artists for all of your songs. Mm-hmm. And so let's start with Beck, okay. uh, who did your <laughs> instrumentals, right? Right. Uh, so how, what led you to these? How did you find them? Like, did, or were they just like, oh, I'm looking for instrumental music, Google, and then this comes up. Like, how did you find it? No, I, I Beck, I'm a big Beck fan way back from the 90s, from his early music. And he he's such a chameleon and integrates hip-hop and lyrics and funky beats along with some kind of um he has also has very contemplative songs like i mentioned his dad is a strings composer he's brilliant when it comes to integrating some of that so he'll he'll do one album that's all these funky beats and rhymes and and kind of dance music to oh the next one's gonna be really laid back and mellow and chill with violins and cellos and beautiful, beautiful music. Sometimes he'll have an album where they have both together on the same album. But this album, Morning Phase, where I pulled those from, are is just an incredibly beautiful album, lyrically, but also in terms of its music. And you have to be in the mood. Like it, I think of it when I think of these songs, and even plays me songs, when on a 
clear summer day and you're stargazing or you're looking at the heavens asking some questions these these kind of songs and instrumentals come to mind because it taps into that you know whether it's string theory or humans being tuned into one another and quantum physics with faith all those things coming together i think of i thought of those songs and so when talking about faith and doubt and attention on the on the string that's what came to mind yeah and i think that's really neat that you kind of set us up in that first song is called phase and so it's like it feels interesting because it it feels transient right it feels right. like there's there's a phase this is a phase it's just a phase it's not something it's a very short piece mm-hmm. it's not like so it's it's not like it's a it doesn't feel complete and i think that's intentional because right. it it's just a phase, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next one, the second musical interlude, is also by Beck, and it's called Cycle, and they're both from the same album, right? Right. And so the the feel of those is very interesting. So, like, I, I almost want to go back and listen to them separately hmm. just to kind of hear how is this like a phase? How is this like a cycle? And then just right. asking that question and kind of meditating on it for a little bit. Yeah, and I think we're we're never done with faith. We don't get to a point where it's like, oh, I've accomplished it. I can move on. Or doubt isn't just a phase that, oh, I'm done. I've conquered that. Um, they're, they're an ongoing phase and cycle in our oh, lives. Oh, I they love come, that. When they you come look through in, in the phase. relationship together. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah may, this, this area of my life is a phase, but it's going to come back around again. It's going to cycle back around. What did I learn from the last time? You think of the moon. It goes through phases and, and cycles and there's there's a full moon okay cool that's good but then it's going to have another cycle and phase that's going to roll through and it may there may be, even be eclipses there may be a new yeah. moon, all these different phases and so how how do our lives have this rhythm back to this music rhythm of faith and doubt together and go through phases and go through cycles and hopefully we're growing through that and growing with that and becoming Um, more of who we're called to be. As I said, faith is something I believe is a gift that comes from outside ourselves and given to us as a gift from, from an outside source. I call that God. I call that our, our creator. Um, And, and so as we move through these phases and cycles, how am I growing into the person um, that this creator is calling me to be for the world and the universe? Yeah. That's awesome. And so if you're listening, I'm really curious, you can reach us on Instagram, just, Send us a DM and tell us what did this, what did listening to that feel like for you? Mm. What came up for you? What are the thoughts that emerged while listening? And share that with us. And you can actually share that with Will too. He's, uh, yeah. what, what's your handle? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram, uh, Will N. Rose. I'm on Twitter, Will Rose72. And then I'm on Facebook as well. And so feel free um, to message me, DM me if you have any questions, thoughts even if you want to challenge me, like, I don't see it that way. I see it more this way. That's, that's great. Let's create some conversation and, yeah. and, and talk about this more. Cause I think, I think that's really important, especially in this day and age. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, cool. And remember, you can always find us at the Vespers project on Instagram, you or go. you can reach us at the Vespers project at gmail.com. We want to hear from you regardless of what you're sharing with us. We want to hear from you no matter what. Exactly. Um, and so that kind of gives us a chance to uh, take a, a little bit of a left turn uh, <laughs> into, I want to kind of go back to the beginning of okay. your Vespers. And you talk um, after that first song, after Phase, you talk about the campfires. Right. And um, I think you were talking about camp earlier, and it really made me remember my camp experience. Mm-hmm. And camp is the first place where I felt like I, it was the first place away from home 
and even like with home in mind where I felt like I belonged and I belonged right. for who I was without any of the masks or armor that I had put on mm. to protect myself in mm. school and at home from the taunting and things like that. Right. And summer camp's a really special place. And a lot of that I think happens around a campfire. There's something magical mm. about the campfire experience. And I like, I, I don't know how to articulate it other than the fact that there's just this certain aura or atmosphere that occurs around a campfire. Why, why do you like, do you have any, what's your insight into that? Well, I, I think you're, you hit on someone who talks about it being a disarming place. You know, you don't, you may bring some mask and armor to it, but as you grow in community with those around you and you have some bonding experiences, whether it's with your counselor or other cabin mates. Um, I mean, of course I had a magical camp experience as well. Not to say that bullying and mean people don't exist at camp because that happens. Sure. <laughs> I've, we all have to navigate that. But I think um, that is a space where can you, you can let your guard down. You can be yourself. You can laugh at someone being goofy up front or singing a song that you really connect with or warming up to a fire if it's, if it's a little chilly in the mountain air. Um, having food together. There's just something about that. And it goes way back to our human origins of, yes. as, as early humans gather around a fire to cook. And then what you, you don't have Instagram to scroll, scroll through back in the early humans, you didn't have Netflix to watch or TV. What did you do? You told stories, yeah. you, you wrap stories around your lives and create meaning out of that. And you're gazing at the stars and you're, you're, you're telling stories and, and sharing why you belong to this group. And I think, that's part of that campfire experience that hopefully people are still experiencing today. And that, that was mine too. I mean, I grew up, I always grew up in, in a kind of a Christian church household. Um, it went through the motions because my parents said, this is what our family did. But it wasn't until my own youth group experience when I got a little bit older, got into college and was a camp counselor, I began to take ownership of my own. Yeah, I would filter out. I don't know if I believe this as much, but maybe I believe this more. I became into my own and took a little bit more ownership of what I believe and what I my take and point of view when it comes to faith, God, universe, yeah. church, those kinds of things. It's, it feels like it fosters independence in a way. I I think I think I, mm, I am such a proponent of camp because I grew into myself at camp, mm -hmm. and I don't think that's the fault of home life but i think what camp does is it gives children a space to become outside of the relationship they have with the people their family right right and so it builds and fosters a sense of independence that is really hard to find elsewhere until people are going to college i feel like right because um, college does that in a way as well where you're this is the first time you've been away from your family you're building your life and you're living and making choices all on your own. Mm -hmm. And that is a huge place of independence building as well. But I think for the people who get a chance to do that before college, I, just, I, I, who I really, I yeah, advocate you're it. Ahead of the game. <laughs> I'm a huge like, yeah, advocate. Yeah. Go and, and, and grow and be a person who you are called to be. And there may be like, even the areas of learning what not to do. You may have like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. I want to be like this person I see up front. There may be some others who's like, you know what? I could do that differently. I'm, I'm learning and growing as I'm, again, faith and doubt being a communal experience. Camp is a communal experience um, outside in creation, in mountains or beaches and open air um, experience 
that that you're a part of the larger world. Yeah. Um, yep. So uh, one of the reasons I brought that up is because, as I said earlier, camp really makes me feel like I belong. Mm-hmm. Like it gives me that sense of this is where I'm meant to be in a way. And this first song that you have, uh, has lyrics. Yeah, I see all, where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, all, all I hear is I don't belong. It's the right. recurring phrase, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is the beautiful letdown by Switchfoot. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really just interested. In, can you elucidate and help me understand, one, why you chose the song, and two, like, what does that mean? Like, what do the lyrics mean to you? <laughs> yeah, I think... Um... Well, first of all, I love Switchfoot. They they first came out on the scene as like kind of a Christian rock band, but have since kind of ditched the label Christian rock band, just being themselves. Yeah, they're, a lot of them are have uh, family members who are pastors. They grew up in the church. They grew up as surfers in California, surfers and, and skaters. So the name of their band, Switchfoot, you know, you can surf or skate or snowboard snowboard with a different foot, you know, Switchfoot, you know, how do you, how do you switch it up? And I, I've just always been a, a big fan of them and their and their music. And so that song, um, one of their older songs, I guess, is it's on their best of album, but but it's, it's sat with me for a long time since I've done youth ministry because I think it speaks to even when we find a good place where we belong within a congregation, a church, a family, a camp, a job, there is still a certain sense of restlessness that I'm looking for something more and bigger. And again, that doubt with faith helps you grow or tears down these walls that you feel like, oh, I have it all figured out. Yeah. I'm, I'm where, I'm, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. I have the right house. I have the right car. I have the, the right um, relationship. I have, I have this amount of money in my bank account, so I guess I'm okay. But there's always a sense that those things can fall apart. Those things are not permanent. There's a, a sense of insecurity and permanence that we all wrestle with in our lives. And so where do I belong if all these other things fall apart? Um, is there a larger story that I'm a part of there where I will always belong? And I think that's where it, it speaks to that restlessness and hunger that we all face, no matter how good life is. And it speaks to maybe I don't belong here. Where do I belong? And he talks about the misfits and the rejects and those things. Yeah. And we are those things, but but maybe maybe there is something beyond myself calling me to be a part of this relationship or family. That's so interesting because I like I heard it and I was like, is this what he was actually going for? I don't because I feel like I potentially don't understand it to the point where I feel like I should. And so my immediately thought upon um, listening to it was, I don't belong here because I belong either in a more heavenly place right. or whatever that is. So like I, this is not my real home, if you will. Right. But instead, I belong with God. Is that's kind of what I was hearing. Yeah, and I think there's some theology in that 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 they're speaking to, I think there is this kind of uh, like sense of, well, I don't belong to this world, but I know I have my heavenly home where God yeah. set up a mansion for me. And and yeah, there, that is in scripture as a part of the Christian tradition. I think taken too far, it could be an unhealthy that's, way of looking at yeah. like, I'm just, I don't care. I don't have to worry about creation care in this world because I'm going to go to a heavenly some place somewhere else rather than, no, we're part of this creation. And the scriptures talk about a new creation, but, but it does not devoid from where we are now and, and being good stewards of where we are yeah. in our lives and creation. And and I guess you could take that song as, as being some of that kind of, I'm going to go to heaven one day. But, but as I think about it more and more, as I, you think about the song being a sense of like where I want to get in tune 
and in touch with where is my restlessness or where do I put my security? Where do I put my certainty? And, and how secure and certain are those things? Um, yeah, I, f- I feel like the more generous listen mm-hmm. for me, and bear with me on that, is sure. I feel like the more, like for me being more generous would probably be this is a recurring thought that I have. I don't belong. And it's like kind of the tape that is playing in my head on repeat. Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of people struggle with is finding a place where they belong. And so I wonder if that's like, and there's an echo. It's like, I don't belong. And there's this echo of, I don't belong in the music. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's like, man, I'm saying this to myself. And then it's being echoed by this voice in my head. That's also saying, Mm -hmm. you're right. You don't. (laughs) But then how do we combat that voice? And it's the, singer seems to be finding that in what is God for that person. Right. right? And I think that's really interesting because for me, belonging has, I have an interesting relationship with faith and God in general. So for, for me, that feels very interesting because I feel like there's a little bit more agency in being able to question the fact that there is a heaven at all allows me to really Think about the agency that I have here while I'm here on earth making mm-hmm. decisions about my life and the people around me. Because if I if I lose the agency, I then feel like I don't have to almost don't have to work for yeah, heaven just, in a way. You're just waiting out your time. Yeah. Think, yeah, a, a critical view of this song and a fair criticism would be I'm just waiting out my life here where I don't belong, but I'm gonna go someplace in the sky somewhere to where I, where I truly belong. And so you kind of waste what's going on and what you're called to be a part of on in this life, in this realm. And, and I think uh, I'm a part of a Christian, uh, Christian tradition that has a theology of incarnation, which is that um, within Christ, there's this physical reality of God, God becoming flesh in this person named Jesus. And it's so really a ground. It doesn't like, oh, I can't wait to be in the clouds playing a harp one day, but rather it grounds me here in the earth and the soil and the flesh yeah. and blood and bone of our of our lives. And I think, you know, I don't want to move too far ahead of your your notes, but even the, the last song. Yeah, we the, can go ahead um, and jump there. Yeah, yeah. So so the, the progression of I don't belong here to how I found God, that song, uh, wrestling with finding God or God finding us is faith something I conjure up in myself or or is it a gift given to me that I appreciate and then the last song um, may seem like a weird place to to land at the end of doubt faith and doubt but but where the light shines through speaks to our human physical scars that we experience Absolutely. through life and so really that light shining through can be a help for others um which is, you know, again, back to camp, you know, a chance to us to kind of really be a community and a cabin and a group together where we're able to share our stories, be honest with ourselves, be authentic. Relationships take time. So again, like you don't just pick up an instrument and play. You don't just meet someone the first day and share all your deep, darkest secrets. It takes time. It takes weeks. It takes months. It takes years to get to know people. And I think faith is that process too. Doubt is that process. And and, and how we all have scars. We're all talking about being human. We all have literal scars and physical, emotional, spiritual scars as well. 100%. And perhaps that is something where we can help others when we're open and honest with, with those. Well, it really struck me. So if we're jumping to that song where the light shines through, again, mm-hmm. by Switchfoot. Yeah. Uh, there's a line in it that really struck me. One, I like tattoos. Two, I think it was really interesting. So it, <laughs> the, the line is... and. 
the only tattoos I have are scars. And then the next line is, I got your name written on my heart. Hmm. And so to me, that evoked this image of a tattoo on one's heart, right. which to me also says that that is a scar based off what he just said. Hmm. And so there's a, a tattoo of your name, your being what I imagine is God on my heart. And that to me is saying that rather than being a tattoo, it's a scar. There was hmm. something that was broken there before, meaning literally he was brokenhearted at some point. Huh. And that's where the light shines through. So I'm carrying this metaphor really far yeah. here. But like, I think that's fascinating because the whole song is implying the light shines through the places that are broken. And therefore, I wonder if faith, in order for it to be able to be productive, uh, yeah. needs to be broken in a way mm -hmm. by <laughs> doubt, right? And so right. like, I wonder if there's that this whole relationship where in order to to shine light on things in order to create light, in order to make light and remove the darkness or be in relationship with the darkness rather, we must have been broken, right? We cannot right. be perfect in this way or we're not perfect at all, which is paradoxical, right? right? There you go. And I think the same way, whether it's a working out analogy, you work out and go work out the why. I still go to work out the why. So I'm, yep. I'm breaking down the muscles so it could become stronger. Yeah. Um, the the construction of something, then the deconstruction of something, and then the reconstruction on top of that is a is a part of life. And I think faith goes through. Okay, we're going back to the beginning phases and cycles of construction, deconstruction, yep. reconstruction, and and building upon that. And I guess um, that's why we we do this in community and relationships that we we trust. So that, because that's not an easy process. It's yeah. not, it's not just like, Ooh, butterflies in the sky, good, great feelings. Um, working out takes is, is hard work. Um, uh, our reaching our goals is, is a struggle. Um, construction, reconstruction, whether it's faith or life or relationships is, is really hard. So how do we, how do we do that and navigate that? And I guess part of this Vespers was giving or giving your listeners uh, people of all ages permission yeah. to go through those cycles and phases of faith and doubt together. There is a sense of nobody's perfect, so there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be broken bones, broken egos. And then how does God's light shine through that to build us up to as we continue to grow through life? 100%, yeah. for sure. And it just really, again, bringing that back to certainty in a way, it feels like faith unbroken is what certainty feels like. Right. Right. And so does light shine through something that's unbroken because there's no cracks in it, nothing, no light can get through. And so again, mm -hmm. that feels like certainty creates this inability to shine light on something. And it just, that's uh, just such an interesting, it's another mask. It's another yeah, armor. It's exactly what it up. is. Yeah. That eventually is going to get broken or cracked. I don't care who you are. Yeah. <laughs> Something's going to happen where that mask has to come off or um, the armor comes off or is broken or has it broken as we go through life. No matter where, where you are in life, you're, you're going to go through those phases and cycles. You know, this really brings up, have you heard of, there is a practice in um, Asia, I think it's Japan, where when a vase or pot or ceramic, anything breaks, when they fix it, they fix it with gold. And so the cracks mm. are made of gold. And I think that's called kintsugi, nice. um, which is essentially just the practice of 
repair and making it essentially more beautiful than it was before. Nice. Mm-hmm. And this is really what comes up for me because one, it begs the question then if cracks and breaks are where the light shines through, does that then mean that the more broken we are, the more light can get through mm. one? Cause, cause that to me also is problematic. Yeah. You don't want to carry that analogy too right? far to where like we become a victim or a martyr or like a proponent of abuse exactly. so that I'm broken and God can use these broken things because, you know, there, there is a, yeah, you can carry that analogy too far as well in terms well, of an abusive creator trying to create light through your brokenness. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not necessarily when people ask like, what kind of God do you believe in? That's one that I do not, that God causes these bad things to happen so that light can shine through it. This problem of pain and suffering because ultimately it's going to turn out. Okay. Um, we can still stand up for injustice and oppression and abuse uh, while still acknowledging that we have scars, that nobody's perfect, and, and we can relate with one another within that Im- imperfection. As I really struggle on every episode of this podcast not to bring up Brene Brown, <laughs> and I fail every time, I think. <laughs> but one of the, there's two things that that Brene has said that I wanted to say. Um, the first is the opposite of uh, faith is not doubt, it's certainty. Right. It's a Brene Brown quote. And right. so that's just been percolating in my head the entire time we've mm-hmm. been talking. Yeah, that's, but, that's strong. But what just came up for me is her definition of love. And I think that's fascinating too. Love can only survive these injuries which, in which like shame, blame, disrespect, betrayal, which are these cracks, right? Right. Um, love can only survive these injuries if they are acknowledged, healed, and rare. Hmm. So yes, we can be broken, but love can only survive if they are acknowledged, healed, and rare. Right. Right? And I think that's that's what it is. Like you can be broken and you can survive that break, but you don't want to break and break and break because you won't be ever you won't be able to heal. Right. Right? And so, and there's a vulnerability that comes along with that. Absolutely, well, right. And, and, and again, in, in the scriptures, Paul in Corinthians talks about, you know, we hear it at weddings all the time: faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love, and it's, it's because faith, hope, and love are—they're the greatest of the virtues. They're intimately connected with one another. But it's not that faith is the greatest. Yeah, not having all things certain and having all your ducks in a row, and you have to have it all worked out in your head. But it's it's love. Love is the greatest, mm. um, and it's intimately connect. It's intimately connected to faith and hope. Any relationship that is growing in love, whether it's romantic or friendship, there has to be hope. There has to be some faith in the other person, some trust in the other person. And again, that's why I went back with some of my some of my conversation. In the vespers was that faith is more relational than it is working out some kind of mathematical equation or yeah. uh, perfectly articulate dogma within my my head but it's more of a heart thing so it's as an intimate relationship with love and relationships i want to talk about this i i found a through line with your whole vespers there's something that was mentioned i think three or four times throughout your whole vespers and that was this this concept of a living trust right and it, it kind of evoked uh, the Ruth J. Jindler stuff because it was like those qualities were personified. And it feels like living trust is this trust is personified. It has, it is alive. It is something that right. is 
uh, that grows, it, it can make mistakes, it, et cetera. And so can you just like walk me through what that means for you and help me understand it? Yeah, I, I think just trying to get away from this kind of stereotype that faith is, I have like a three-point um, presentation, PowerPoint presentation in my head, and if I ever talk about it, I'm just going to present that, and it always stays that yeah. kind of stagnant um, kind of equation in my head, but more, like you said, something that grows, something that is breathing and living, it makes mistakes sometimes, It hopefully it learns from those mistakes and grows stronger or, or a more round, uh, fulfilled person through that growth that you're going through so that yeah. this trust this living trust is more relational than it is like i'm going to read this book i'm going to take some notes and i'm going to take a test and i passed so therefore hey i can get into heaven one day that that's not too many times i think organized religion and the church has presented itself to be that way here read this book go through this class take a test and then when you come in we're going to check and make sure you believe a b or c and if you don't then you're not really welcome here belong here um it's not taking a test or there's some students who've come to me and wrestle with questions and I've asked them, I'm like, do you, when you meet God, do you think God's going to ask for your spiritual dissertation and then God's going to read it and then decide whether you pass the course or not? <laughs> and and like, well, I guess not. And I'm like, yeah, you're in that mode. You're a student. So all your professors have syllabus. <laughs> they all have, they want you to write essays. So that's, is not, is it's not hard to attribute God or the Creator as this divine professor who's going to test you on what you know. The right? divine professor. The divine professor. That's my new favorite name for yeah, God. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. Um, but it's more of a relational. So it's more brother, father, mother, uncle, um, friend that I'm growing with and learning more about. You know, as as I get older, I'm still learning. I did my help my parents celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary, and in the midst of celebrating that. Um, over Thanksgiving and and, and um, going through pictures and going through names. I never knew the name of the pastor who married them. I never knew that this person in their wedding party um, worked here or did that. I was learning stuff as we went on. So again, our relationship is, as long as I've known my parents, I'm still learning new things each and every day. So again, faith has a living trust and more relational than it is the divine professor asking you to write a paper or take an exam. For me, it's interesting to think about living as what I imagine as something that's living is that something is born, something grows, and something dies, right? Mm -hmm. It's through the life cycle, if you will. Yeah. And so I, if I imagine my trust as something that grows with each individual that I'm building it with, it strikes me as interesting because when I first meet someone, I'm not going to trust someone. I'm not going to put my something, put my faith in a child right? Mm. If that trust is just born, it's at, in its nativity stage. I'm not going to just like blindly, okay, and here's my baby here. Trust right. you with that. It's like, no, it's, I have to nurture and feed it. I have to take mm. care of it. Mm -hmm. I have to, I'm in relationship with that trust just as much as I am with the person and how we nurture each other through it. Right. Um, and then once that trust is like, okay, I'm going to start trusting you making this decision. Now, if you do the right thing and like there, there's this whole like almost child rearing aspect to oh, man. perceiving trust as something mm -hmm. that is alive, yep. um, which puts a lot more impetus on our nurturing it and growing it rather than just blind faith if you will mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know what i mean oh it, absolutely it gives us a little bit more um 
intentionality. Uh, intentionality. Mm-hmm. Again, I used agency once already, but agency. And I think that's just a really uh, transformative way of thinking about trust. And I thought that was just pretty nifty. Yeah, and a different way of seeing God and faith um, before I was a dad, and now that I am a dad, I yeah. see it from another perspective, and this analogy of, of parent, of father, of relationship, of rearing, um, giving freedom, but also giving boundaries, and yes, you have to eat your vegetables, yes, I don't want you crossing the road, um, not looking both ways, but also giving some freedom to Absolutely. explore and make mistakes and scrape your knee. Um, that balance uh, yeah. of that. And that's definitely, and again, back in that passage from the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I don't think St. Paul really had the intention of it being the, the main poem read at weddings. <laughs> that was not, his, his main was like this analogy that, that faith, it speaks in there about seeing things like a child, but when I became older, I saw things differently. And, and it's, a, it's a more of a growing relational aspect yeah. of faith, hope, and love than it is... Um, like, yeah, mental gymnastics. Every time I go to a wedding, I always take bets on whether they're going to read 1 Corinthians or not. <laughs> yeah. It's one of my favorite passages. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, but yeah, it's one of those things where um, it, it gets so overplayed that we forget what it is. Yeah. We tune out a little bit. Same exactly. song. I hear this song over and over again. I know that song. I uh, hear this. I know that song. But then you forget to just... treat it as sacred and look yeah. at it another way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. wow, let's really be intentional about how we listen to it this time. Yeah. What word am I finding differently this time? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so this kind of brings me to your last song, except it's not your last song. It's the one we haven't talked about yet. So right. the the day I found God, Switchfoot. Mm-hmm. Um, this this concept of losing myself in the mm-hmm. song and finding God, finding you is how they phrase it. So it, it feels I feel a little uncomfortable. Okay. in this this phrasing and so i want you to help okay. me through it sure um because for me um my relationship with god has helped me in my perception of god i should say has been that i have found myself rather mm-hmm. than losing myself the closer i feel in relationship mm-hmm. to god And so this is kind of turning that out on its head and saying, I am losing myself and I'm finding you. And so can you just walk me through what your thoughts are on, like, why did you choose this? And why did this phrasing speak to you? And tell me more, tell me more. Yeah, I think it's, again, at the beginning of Vespers, I talked about defining the term God. Yeah. And, And it's important what you mean, because, yeah, again, you could hear this song, and if you have this abusive parent in the sky ready to punish you for doing making wrong steps and this mm-hmm. song is gonna yeah be terrifying, yeah, be terrifying. <laughs> but if you see it as like a a loving relationship or one that's there to nurture you and guide you it's a different different way of seeing it and and so you making it feel you make that song making you feel uncomfortable is again as part of that that tension on the yeah. line where we grow from absolutely so that's completely fair and again even if like I'm sitting here and I feel like they're leaving me hanging out there that haven't found myself or I have found myself. You don't have to stay there. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, I'm hearing this song. I hear what they're saying now there. That's not, there's not a period at the end of this song. I found God period. It's over story over the end, but it's continuing to move on um, and grow and be a unfolding story that we're a part of. So maybe we sit in that uncomfortable spot or in that tension for a little while or where do I find myself? How to rediscover myself? Again, 
construction, deconstruction, who am I, who am I yeah. not, is, is these cycles and phases that we go through. And that's the, that's the place they were at that moment when they wrote that song. I may be in that. I may not be there right now. Maybe I hear that song differently a year from now. Um, so one of, the, one of your quotes from your Vespers is that doubt is often a sign that your faith has a pulse. Mm. And that really speaks to this moment because it, to me, I wonder if these moments of discomfort when I hear something and then I question it and then I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that. Good, like that good. to me is like a pulse. It's mm-hmm. like the heartbeat. It's Paying like attention, right? It, yeah. Well, exactly. It's yeah. something that, okay, it's alive. <laughs> yeah. I know it's there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's causing conflict. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that to me is that, that pulse that you're kind of talking about, it's alive and yes, it's healthy. It's because I think a lot of times people perceive that discomfort as this is not healthy. Right. 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 Discomfort is bad. Yeah. Right. Tension is not good. Again, like not, my story earlier is like, uh, why, why are you getting rid of tension? Cause I don't like it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't well, feel it's terrible. It's, ter- it's terrifying. I don't know where I'm, how, where I'm going to come out on the other side of this. Yeah. But, but that is how we grow. Yeah. That is how we become newer, more grounded people yeah. in this, in this world. So yeah, that, that uncomfortable feeling okay maybe it's not a bad thing maybe i'm I called to sit with that for a little while absolutely um and then and then see what happens after that yeah there which is why that song i didn't want that song to be the last song yeah so that fair. song there totally then you move into um where the light shines through acknowledging yeah. that we don't have it all together there is brokenness so so i don't belong here so maybe where do i belong they i found god but then the other side there is that Again, that pulse. I broke, mm -hmm. I'm mending, I've Mm -hmm. healed, and now I'm able to let the light in. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. That's like, that's full circle if I didn't know it, right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's that's a, I think what I really liked about this experience, both the Vespers itself, but also our conversation, is that it really feels like I've had a chance to, in a way, selfishly, and for our, I mean, hopefully our listeners have felt this too, but I feel (laughs) like I've had a chance to really grapple with my faith and my doubt during Mm. this conversation. Right. And I'm hoping that some of our listeners have had a chance to feel that in a way as well. Like Mm -hmm. question. And if at the very least, it simply brings up questions for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty awesome. And don't be afraid of those questions. Don't be afraid to sit with that uncomfortable feeling of questions because they come and go. We grow from them. Yeah. We learn by asking questions. Why is this guy blue? Why is this here? Why is that? Like two and three or four year olds ask why, 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 why all the time? Because they're just like, they're, they want to know what's Absolutely. going on. They're discovering the world around them and they want to know. So, so we can, we can do that too. And I guess if there are a lot of religious leaders or organizations or people in charge that are scared of questions because they feel like, their authority is going to be torn down, but yeah. maybe maybe the right posture to have is to not be afraid of the questions, but embrace them and and wrestle with them and ask them together. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I seem to have run out of prepared questions. <laughs> uh, so I'm curious, uh, has anything come up through this that you feel like we have missed? Have we not touched on something? Do you feel like... How are you feeling? How are you feeling? Feeling good. I love this conversation too. I think we could like um, have this conversation for like four more hours. I um, definitely could. Like, <laughs> but maybe that's part two later on down the road. If people out there 
uh, want to shoot us a message and have some things, we go back and address some of those questions together and another, yeah. another podcast would be, be cool. If we missed anything, let us know. Um, because again, I don't speak for all of Christendom. Um, ben doesn't speak for all of leadership. Anything. I don't uh, speak anything. for all yeah. of anything. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, I am a pastor at a church. I, um, here in Chapel Hill, but I don't even, I, yeah, I'm their pastor, but I don't speak for all of them. I, I sp- just speak from my experience. And so your experience may be a little different and that's fine. So if we miss something or we didn't quite capture the nature of faith or doubt, the way you see it, let us know. And we'd be happy to answer as quite. I'm not afraid to say, Hey, good question. I don't know the answer. So uh, give me some time to think about that and read about that and investigate that. And we'll come back and revisit it. 100%. Yep. So remind us of your Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. So, um, will in Rose on Instagram, uh, Twitter, will Rose 72. And then just my name on Facebook. Excellent. Yep. Well, cool. Remember you can find us at the Vespers project at gmail.com or the Vespers project on Instagram. And we are excited about this and we are excited you're listening. And more than anything, we're grateful that you've given us both this chance to, have this conversation and relationship with you, our listeners. So thank you, Will. Hey, thanks for letting me be a part of it. All right. Let's have a great day. See you all later. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Vespers Project. Don't forget to shoot us a review on iTunes. Make sure you hit us up on Patreon. Send us your Vespers. Remember, you can connect with us by emailing thevespersproject at gmail.com. We hope to hear from you. We look forward to spending more time with you next episode. Until then, be well, do good. Thank you.